Good afternoon and welcome to our show, We're Talking Golf. My name is Douglas Maida and I'm your host for this program. Today's show is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We're produced by the World of Golf and you can find us at www.worldofgolf.org. Or you can also find us on our social media channels of Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And for those of you who are in East Asia, you can also follow us on Weibo and WeChat. Now, before we get into today's show, I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you, our listeners and followers that join us from around the world, because without you and your support, we would not be able to do this show. So thank you for your ongoing support of this program. Now, before we get to our guest, we'll do a quick recap of the golf action from this past weekend. First up is the PGA Tours Zozo Championship, which was held at the Sherwood Country Club in Thousand Oaks, California. Patrick Cantley emerged the winner after shooting a final round 65 to finish 23 under par, providing him with a one-shot victory over Justin Thomas and John Rom, who placed tied for second. Justin Thomas shot a 69 to finish at 22 under, while John Rom shot 68 on Sunday to also finish at 22 under. Now the next stop for the PGA Tour is going to be the Bermuda Championship, which will be hosted at Port Royal Golf Course. Now, of course, the big event that everybody on the PGA Tour is keeping an eye out for, and it's a little bit unusual for this time of the year being October and November, is going to be the Masters in three weeks' time. And we're looking at putting together a little bit of a show for you on all of that. Also, the other major event this past weekend was the LPGA's second drive-on event, which was held in Greensboro, Georgia at Reynolds Lake Oconee. Ali McDonald captured her very first tour victory, shooting a 69 on Sunday to finish at 16 under par and a one-shot victory over second place Danielle Kang. Kang herself shot a 68 to finish at 15 under for solo second, and rookie Bianca Pagdananan finished in a solo third, uh, third position, shooting a Sunday 70 to finish at 14 under par. Allie McDonald, the 28-year-old four-year veteran on the LPGA, first played on the Solheim Cup in 2019. So she's been around a little bit, and she's establishing herself as a, an important figure or a growing, import, a growing player in importance for the USA Golf. She's a steady, middle-of-the-pack player who has been on an upward trend over the past couple of years, and in particular in recent weeks. So she had some fine play at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship a couple of weeks ago at Aronimink, and she's continued over that form into this week's event, or this weekend's past event. So she's definitely one of those players to keep an eye out for for the remainder of this season. Now, something else of note, we're trying to get Bianca Pagdananan on our show. We've been trying to arrange something for her for the past four months now, so we hope to have something arranged soon. I know we've had a lot of inquiries about having Bianca on the tour, uh, Bianca on the show, pardon me, and... Uh, we're going to do everything we can to get her on in the next little while. Now, our special guest today is Beth Ann Nichols, the senior golf writer for Golf Week and, by extension, the USA Today. Before we bring her on, though, we'll break for a short message from the producers. You're listening to We're Talking Golf. Remember, for the latest golf news and information, check our website at www.worldofgolf.org. That's www.worldofgolf.org. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
You can also find us on Weibo and WeChat. Now back to our show. Here's your host, Douglas Mader. Thank you very much, Amy. Welcome back to our show. Our guest today is the senior golf writer for Golf Week magazine, where she joined their staff in 2002 right out of university. She primarily covers the LPGA, and she's built a reputation for her knowledge of the women's game. Beth Ann Nickel grew up playing municipal courses in her home state of Florida before she went on to college playing golf for Florida Southern College. A big welcome to Beth Ann Nichols. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure, Beth Ann. Um, now, as we get started, Beth Ann, I'd like to ask you a little bit about uh, how much you could, or if you'd like to share with us a little bit about how you became involved with golf, uh, your university days, and uh, how you came to work with Golf Week. Yeah, so I I started playing in a 50-cent league. It was nine nine holes when I was about 10 years old. Cost 50 cents for nine holes and a dollar when you graduated to 18. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a big fan of the cheap junior programs that, uh, that will pique the interest of youngsters because I had a blast. And then, um, I believe it or not, I played in that all the way through till college um, on, in the summers. But so I, I, I got a scholarship to Florida Southern and uh, – and just happened to get placed into a, um, a sports writing class um, by chance and, uh, and absolutely fell in love with it. And so that sort of set my, my path down for not only, you know, competing collegiately, but, but being heavily involved in the student newspaper at Florida Southern. And, um, and I was sitting in my uh, advisor's room my senior year, just before Christmas. And he said, well, what do you think you'd like to do after you graduate? And I said, well, I'd love to work for a golf magazine, but I feel like you have to be 40 before you could uh, land a job at a golf magazine. So maybe I'll go to grad school. And he was like, well, you know, I just happened to see a post today on the editor and publisher website for an entry level position at Golf Week. And I had read Golf Week, so I knew exactly what it was. and." Um, it had never occurred to me that they had entry level positions at, at magazines. Like I just didn't think that was a thing. And uh, so I, I like within two weeks I had applied and interviewed and I agreed to not play my final semester of college so that I could start working right away at golf week because they needed someone. Um, so I worked a few days a week and then when I graduated, I started the very next week full time. That was back in 2002 because I knew I wasn't good enough to turn pro. I knew that I wanted to, I would need <laughs> to get a, to get a real job, shall we say. And, um, I just absolutely loved it. I've, I've been, I've had three different jobs since I've been at golf week, but, um, this is my 18th year and, uh, it's, it's been a blessing. Wow. Wow. Terrific. Yeah, that's uh, a bit of a rarity now, isn't it, um, to go into an entry-level job like that at a, one of the golf publications for the lack of, I guess the best way of describing it is the uh, number of positions have really tightened up in the last few years. Or, is that a fair yeah, assessment? That is true, but um, but there are quite a few still entry-level positions, and um, we have several, several 20-somethings on our staff, and we have two interns, and um, and I think there are, there are probably more internships and entry level positions still that people don't even realize, uh, which is which is fun. I mean, and, you know, it's um, I, you know, it, it, no question, it's a shrinking industry. Um, but but if you're 
if you if you keep your eye open and you work the network, you know, there are ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny you said about your initial preconception about what a golf writer looked like. And uh, it brought an image to me of thinking about Dan Jenkins, um, <laughs> you know, the former writer who's since passed away. But, uh, you know, as a yeah. kid myself growing up, I would open up the magazines and there's always Dan Jenkins columns. And you always had lots to read about what he had to say. and. Uh, you kind of became the uh, golf writer, the face of golf writing for, I think, many people in terms of uh, of the industry and uh, covering the sports. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because I'm now I'm 40. So when I look back <laughs> on that, I'm like, wow, if I had been correct, I would have had to wait an awful long time for this job. So I'm glad I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, um, do you have any um, outstanding memories or anything that jumps out at you from your time so far? Oh gosh, I have so many. There's, there's no question. Um, I think probably one of the coolest memories in terms of, uh, not only the fact that the history was being made, um, but who was making it was in 2007, uh, Lorena Ochoa, um, had a sizable lead at, at the women's British open, which was being held on the old course at St. Andrews for the first time. And Lorena was the number one player in the world at the time. And I was staying, um, at a place just next door to the Dunvegan, which is about a very popular bar. That's about a wedge from the first tee, uh, at the old course. And, um, I happened to be staying in the same flat as Lorena. She was on a different floor, but, um, but it was like the night before the, uh, the I'm sorry, the morning before the, the third round. And like I said, Lorena was, le- was leading. So she obviously had a late tea time. And I was down eating breakfast and I uh, was there with Catherine Kirk and Chris Tamales and uh, they were, they were in the field as well. And, and, and down comes Lorena down the stairs and into the room. And, and I'm thinking, huh, is she going to get something to go? Because I'm thinking surely the number one player in the world will see it. You know, I had a good relationship with Lorena, but still, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you're leading a major, you know, do you really want to sit down with a journalist and have breakfast, you know, and, and she just sat down and it was like, yeah, I don't even remember what we talked about. It had nothing to do with golf, but it was just so, she was just so relaxed and fun and, and normal, you know, and it's it just, it was just such a great um, picture of who Lorena is. And she of course went on to to win that championship with ease. And, uh, and, and I, I remember the great celebration next door, the Dunvegan afterwards and how packed it was and how much fun, uh, everyone had. It was, uh, that was Lorena though. She was, she was one of a kind miss her. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She did kind of retire a little bit on the earlier side, didn't she? Oh yeah. She, she wasn't even 30 yet. Yeah. But she had a, she had a, a, a wanted to separate, you know, professional life and family life, and then she found the love of her life and wanted to start having babies. And she's she couldn't be happier right now. Yeah, yeah. We did an interview earlier this year with Gabby Lopez, and she was sharing similar similar stories about uh, working with um, Lorena and her foundation right now, and mm-hmm. helping to build the game in in Mexico. So. Oh yeah, Lorena's heavily involved in 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 the next generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, terrific. Um, so we just had the event this past weekend at uh, Reynolds Lake at Oconee. Um, mm-hmm. Allie McDonald, first time winner. Thoughts? Yeah, great what do you think? You know, 
Allie McDonald, I've written this before. She reminds me so much of Stacey Lewis um, in that she, she, she went to Mississippi state and she basically put that program on the map. And she was so much about team and culture and what, what she could do for that program. And she stayed four years and, and so much similar to Stacy in that regard um, and what Stacy did at Arkansas. And, um, and so, you know, she's of course the first Mississippi state player to win on the LPGA or no one's won on the PGA tour either from Mississippi state. Um, so much heart, so much grit. Um, and you know, it's, I think it's fun to, to get your first title going head to head against, you know, the hottest player on tour right now and Danielle Kang. So I think that makes it even victory in my mind should be a little bit sweeter. Yeah. Well, she's been trending upwards. I, I noticed, um, following oh, her yeah. some of her last few events, she, um, in Atlantic city, she had a pretty good, uh, um, outing. And then in Aronimink, she was right up there for, um, I can't remember what she finished. Was it T13? Uh, she finished at uh, Aronimink, but something like that. I mean, she's yeah. been, her projection or trajection has been, uh, finishing top or the top, in higher up in the uh, leaderboards and getting onto that front page a lot more. And um, she just seemed so determined this week when I was watching, I made a comment to a friend of mine that, you know, it, come Sunday, I don't think she's going to be one of those players that's going to wilt with the lead. She's going to want to go at it and just take it on and uh, probably relish it. And I think that my thought was that she's been in this position a little bit now and she's ready to seize the opportunity. And Yeah, I, I definitely think the Solheim cup helped. Um, you know, obviously the Europeans came out on top there, but <laughs> But going up against Bronte Law, you know, down the stretch in such a pressure pack situation, you're going to learn a lot in that situation, especially when you weren't even supposed to be there that week. She came in subbing in for for Stacey Lewis, who was injured with a back injury. So, you know, she's also a newlywed. She got married during the the, the COVID-19 uh, break on the LPGA and 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 is happy. Right. She's she's in she's in the honeymoon phase and and her husband wasn't there. He's a. He's a, a assistant men's coach at, at her alma mater, Mississippi State, but her parents were on on hand. And I know she, um, you know, she she said last night that the confidence that that he's given her, she was already had confidence and believed in herself. But anytime you can add someone else, you know, in in your corner who's who's pumping you up and 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 reminding you of how good you are, um, you know, that that can only help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Would you say it's a little bit of a surprise that it's taken her four years to get her first win, or would you say things have been progressing quite naturally for her? Um, I would say the latter. Uh, you know, she's had a few a few things to overcome. She got sick in Malaysia. She had she was diagnosed as being a type one diabetic a few years ago. Um, there's there's been a lot of um, just things in life that she's had to um, to go through and 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 mature. There's it's a it's a learning process out there and. You know, I think that um, the tour has never been deeper. It's never been this hard to win on the LPGA. So, um, so I, I, I just think it was just a natural progression of her game. Right, right, right. And you mentioned um, Danielle King. So, Ali finished uh, one stroke ahead of Danielle, who uh, shot. I think it was a what was it a sixty eight on uh, on Sunday yesterday. And, yeah, uh, near, nearly hold her uh, third shot for Eagle there on the last yeah. hole. That was pretty uh, phenomenal. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, 
Danielle got that look on her face. Uh, Jim Gallagher, Jim Gallagher, Gallagher Jr. called it the Dottie Pepper stare. She had that look going. <laughs> uh, laid on the back nine. She was uh, she was determined. You saw the, you know, she's been in the situation a lot now. And look what Lydia did, um, kind of in a way, giving her the championship in Toledo at the marathon on the last hole. Um, you know, I think that, that Danielle knows that anything is possible. She's the veteran in that situation. And she was just, just lurking, waiting for her moment. And, um, and she certainly put on the pressure down the stretch and, and, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's been, she's been extremely solid this year and, and, and really serious (laughs) about what she's trying to accomplish. Don't get in her way. And how about the rookie um, that everybody's talking about this year and Bianca Pagdenanen? She finished yeah. yesterday with a 70, steady, maybe not quite enough to, uh, obviously not quite enough to win, but right, more learning right. experience. Birdie the last two holes. Yeah. You know, she just didn't give herself enough, um, you know, good looks, at, uh, you know, really. But she had a few early on, some great putts. And if those could have dropped and given her some momentum early on, it might have been a different story. But um, but you know, Bianca has, has an immense amount of, of talent and potential and, and we're just only beginning to see the beginning of it. And, and really she was a great college player, uh, you know, in many ways overshadowed by the great story of Haley Moore, you know, right, on that right. Arizona team. And, um, and so Bianca, even though she hit, you know, just as important shots in that national championship to put them in that position, um, you know, she, she wasn't, she wasn't the headline of, of, of the, of the championship. And so, you know, Bianca has, uh, has incredible length, incredible power and, um, and, and just a, a wonderful personality too. I think people will really be drawn to her. I think, I think she could be a real star on the LPGA. I know from looking at our traffic, she has a big following in the Philippines. So she's, She's already uh, already growing there, so um, I, you know I'm I'm super excited to see what the future holds for her, and and you know look at what she did at her first major. I mean I I'm I'm I can't wait for the U.S. Women's Open in Houston. I mean I, she's got to be a dark horse for that tournament too. I'm not even sure I would call her a bit of a dark horse <laughs> at this point. Maybe not. You're right, although, but having not won a tournament yet. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know, Inji Chun come over. Uh, First tournament she wins, true. U.S. Women's Open. <laughs> very true, very true. Several have done it. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. So, yeah, it's been uh, quite an impressive show with her. And uh, I know just as an anecdote, we did a story just uh, covering the KPMG. And, wow, all of our numbers were showing the incredible traffic coming in from the Philippines. Just They just can't get enough of her as their favorite player. It's like, wow. Oh, yeah. It's why it's wonderful to see. the And the LPGA is full of those kinds of stars that are, you know, that are mega stars in their homeland, uh, you know, like an area Jutana Gardens on a right. Gatorade bottle in Thailand, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and the, the Korean players are like, you know, rock stars going over there. It's like they're part of the Beatles when they're playing, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's totally different. It's, it's, it's really quite something. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? Um, were there any other interesting storylines coming out of the event for you or? Hmm. All, I, I, all I can think about is yesterday. <laughs> I'm trying to think <laughs> what's going on. Oh, Mike Wan. 
Hey, how good was Mike Wan, <laughs> an on-course reporter? Oh my goodness. What, I mean, the guy can talk like nobody's business. So, I mean, I guess we shouldn't have been that surprised, but, but it was like, he'd done it. He'd done it a time or two, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think he yeah. should do it again. <laughs> Maybe at the CME. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hopefully they get, they get that a tournament at back at Reynolds because I thought the golf course was so much fun to watch on television. So many beautiful scenes from, um, you know, I think it's like nine out of the last 10 holes are on the water, you know, it was, you know, the, the boats were, you know, just a fabulous, uh, gallery for us since we haven't had any galleries in a long time. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just think it's such a great venue that, um, I would, I would love for a sponsor to, to jump up and raise their hand and say, you know, I, I want my name on an event there. I think yeah. it would be fantastic. Yeah. And I think that was a fantastic time of the year for it to, uh, to be held there too. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And obviously the tour is supposed to be, you know, in Asia right now. And so this was a, um, this was a, uh, fill the gap tournament, which was right. very important. Um, but I, I mean, it would be fantastic if, if, if something could come about from that, because it was, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Um, while we're at it, any thoughts about the abbreviated schedule this year? I mean, it's been like they say, a year, uh, it's been a year unlike any other, that's for sure. So, Oh, uh, no, no question. I mean, I, I think the LPGA, first of all, it was a shame that circumstances conspired against the tour that they couldn't start earlier than they did. The PGA tour obviously had a nice run of events before the LPGA could get started. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just, the areas where those tournaments were supposed to be held just weren't working in their favor. And, um, you know, some of those tournaments had to have thought they had to have pro-ams, <laughs> you know, so there was just a lot at play and, and, um, and so that was a shame, but once the tour got started, to have, you know, two events in Toledo. Inverness was a, was a home run, fantastic mm-hmm. opener. And then the tour manages to go overseas for two weeks. It, I mean, it was like jumping into the deep end of the pool right out of the gates. You know, we're, we just started this COVID-19 thing, and now we're going to take our testing protocols overseas. <laughs> you know, I was like, holy cow. You know, and it, and it went off without a hitch. I mean, it was, it was so impressive. And, and, of course, Royal Troon was fantastic. You know, I think, you know, we've just seen with Aronimic so many great courses that the LPGA has been able to, um, you know, showcase its its fields on that um, that, that people have really m- maybe might not have watched that much LPGA coverage, might have tuned in to see some of these great golf courses and, and been pleasantly surprised by the rest of the package. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Um you mentioned about the uh, COVID interruption and then um, the LPGA having to to develop uh, playing protocols in order to come back. Mm. Have you, has the tour or the commissioner or anybody given any sort of update since then with regards to the financial state of the tour other than uh, the general statements? Are they giving any idea of um, how well they've been able to weather everything so far? I mean, they've done a pretty good job in pulling these drive-on events together to to fill some of the gaps that were created in the schedule. So I think that's been uh, terrific for the players, but. Yeah. Um, you know, well, well, like the Aon risk reward challenge, that million dollars that normally goes to the winner 
of that season long challenge went into the purse at like the first drive on, um, and, and several other tournaments that were unable to host their events. Some of the purse money from those events went in to create these two drive on events. So, um, so yeah, that's been huge. You know, Juan's talked a lot about 2021, you know, that that basically is, you know, his focus is not, he want to have everything on this year um, and then have 2021, you know, kind of fall off a cliff. So he's, he's really, you know, really careful to be looking ahead as well. And, um, you know, it's going to be difficult because earlier in the year, those two Australian events have already been um, canceled, uh, the Vic Open and the Australian Women's Open. Um, you know, I'm, it looks like the diamond resorts will have fans, uh, to start the year off in January, but then I'm expecting quite a big break, um, until, until March, probably, um, some of those Asian events might get pushed to later in the year. I I mean, the biggest problem right now is border crossings that that's the biggest problem is getting into these countries, um, overseas. So, um, so there might be another big gap in the schedule early on, I think in 2021, but then it should be pretty pretty packed. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of what um, uh, organizers had to grapple with or wrestle with here at the Canadian Open. It was supposed to be held in uh, Vancouver Mm -hmm. this year, but because of the border controls and the emphasis on creating uh, um, social bubbles and things of that nature just really uh, made it prohibitive for for them to host the tournament and uh, get the players in in enough time before they could uh, start playing again without having to take two weeks for uh, self-isolation right right yeah the quarantines are quarantines are understand understandably mess everything up (laughs) (laughs) you gotta have them yeah so what do you think the uh lpga has done right well i mean i think that um for the most part the players have taken i mean it's been really successful in terms of the COVID 19 i mean there have been a handful of players and caddies who have tested positive, but I feel like, um, everyone took it seriously. I feel like LPGA players took notes from watching the men and, uh, learned kind of what not to do. And, um, and, and I think that, you know, has led to them having as, as good of a season as, as they could have expected so far. Um, I wish the tour could have come up with some kind of, uh, of, uh, um, showcase some kind of exhibition during that time off. Um, it was unfortunate that that, that couldn't happen. We know we, we had a, we had a little taste of that during the A and a inspiration, um, with a few players and Julie Inkster was an on-course reporter for char- that little, right. little charity event. And, uh, and it was fantastic, you know, and I was like, gosh, why couldn't we have had this, you know, three months ago. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like there was a, there was an opportunity when there weren't any sports going on where the LPGA could have had something to bring in new fans. And there was a missed opportunity there. Yeah. Um, but that, so that would be my, my only like major criticism of, of, but you know, it's hard. I mean, I'm sure they wanted it, you know, but you got to have someone sign in the dotted line at the end of the day. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, this is probably a good little segue into the women's game. Then you wrote a piece, uh, I guess it was 2018, um, about women, the women's golf and some of the issues that the players were having with regards to equipment and equipment sponsorships. And, and you wrote a, a fair bit about looking at the differences between the men's game and the women's game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we had another issue this past summer, I guess it was, uh, at the ANA, where another professional player who was uh, on the front page of the leaderboard on the Friday, Saturday, having some difficulty. The story was reported about challenges with uh, getting clubs from a sponsor in time and everything else, or not a sponsor, and having to um, go through that whole rigmarole process. Um, what are your thoughts about the state of the women's game in terms of things like sponsorships and um, equipment and all sorts of things like that? Well, I think in addition to network TV, the other thing that keeps my guan up at night is trying to figure out how to help LPGA players make more money off the golf course, which which network television will help that um, because the more network exposure you have, the um, the greater the payoff is for the sponsorship. But you know, I mean, we've we've unfortunately we've been watching women play with blank hats and blank golf bags for decades now, and. Uh, we, you know, we've even seen women win majors without, you know, with blank hats, without a hat sponsor. Um, and you know, what, what prompted me to write that story a couple of years ago was, was Indy Park when she was the number one player in the world. Uh, she's, she's a Strixon player, but she only has to play nine Strixon clubs. So she's been playing with tailor-made woods for I think it was six or seven years she'd been playing with these tailor-made woods and she her caddy reached out to try to get the newer models and was told that you had to play a tailor-made driver in order to get any free equipment and you know it was just absolutely stunning that you know you're going to have this blanket policy that here's a player who's won seven majors won Olympic gold medal been number one in the world for 100 plus weeks playing your four woods <laughs> and yet she's she she has to get out her credit card to to get the newer model like you know it just seemed like it was a a ridiculous you know one size fits all you know we're going to do this for everybody it doesn't matter who you are um proposal and i think that you know it just kind of shows you and then i found some other players you know who would who would you know, ping players and other players that had contracts that had tried to get, you know, a different club just for, for that particular week at the British open. And, um, and we're told the same thing, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's just, um, Kari Webb, I talked to her that week and she said she, you know, her equipment contracts had run out and sometimes she worries about getting free balls. You know, she's going to have to start paying for balls. This is a hall of famer. The start of the year, I wrote a story on how Julie Inkster had no sponsors, right, zero right. sponsors. So, you know, it's, um, I just think that, you know, people maybe don't quite appreciate that, you know, when you're a junior golfer and you, you're getting free equipment, you go to college, you're getting free equipment, you're getting free clothes, and then you turn pro and uh, that might not be the case anymore. You might have to pull out your credit card to, uh, to get what you think is best for your bag. And, you know, you'll see a lot of bags out there that, that might say an equipment company's name on the side, but that doesn't mean that player's getting paid by that company. You know, they just, maybe they bought that bag actually. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, 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 it's really interesting, you know, I mean, it's, it's really, it's a sad state to tell you the truth. There's only a handful, well, more than a handful, but a small percentage of players that have any kind of equipment contract whatsoever on the LPGA. Um, but it's beyond equipment though. You know, I mean, it's, it's sponsorships in general are, 
you know, are an issue. And, and, you know, and I look at some of these Asian players, um, you know, have great support back home and have a lot of money, you know, on their sleeves and on their shirts and on their hats. And imagine what that does for you mentally to know that, you know, you already have money in the bank from your sponsorship to cover your travel, right? To pay for your rent while you're gone. I mean, that really frees you up to play when you have another source of money coming in, as opposed to everything that I'm going to, you know, get to pay the bills has to come from me making cuts. What a tremendous amount of pressure for a young player. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, Bethan, you've probably heard some of the criticism that's been out there about uh, about issues like this. And one of them is that, um, look, you know, how can women's golf expect to have these kinds of sponsorships and whatnot? Uh, when heck they don't even draw in enough fans, there's just not enough. The golf companies are saying that there's just not enough money in the sport. So why would we support that type of thing? I'm not saying that the companies are saying that, but that's what some of the critics are saying that obviously these companies have made choices, how to allocate their resources and they're, they're allocating it to the men's game because they say the men's game is, is the source of all their sales. And the women's game is just, you know, you're, you know, uh, how, how, you know, to try and paraphrase, I guess their argument is that it's, uh, irrelevant to the profitability of these companies and things like that. I mean, what would you say that type of an argument? Well, I think first of all, the biggest area of growth in the game is women. And Mm -hmm. so I think to just look at it as, you know, this isn't worth our investment um, is very short sighted. Um, You know, I I think that uh, uh, what's interesting too is it's not just about women picking up the game and women playing it. But the, the truth of the reality here is these women are playing men's clubs. <laughs> They're not playing women's clubs. Right. So for all the men tuning into view who have similar swing speeds, you could learn more from the equipment that the women are playing than you can from what the men are playing. Right. I mean, you couldn't hit what Dustin Johnson's hitting if your life depended on it. <laughs> In most cases, you know, you know, you don't have his swing speed. I mean, that's from the vast majority of people in general. So, you know, I mean, I think that the women are re- more relatable in terms of their games to, right. to your average male player. And that goes right on down the line to their equipment. And right. so, um, you know, I just think that, that they're, but again, it also comes down to network television. I mean, that's what Juan always says, keeps him up at night because network television is the key to exposure, which is the key to everything rising on the LPGA. Right, right. Um, I want to come back to that topic in a moment, but before we do, perhaps uh, some of the changing or evolution in the thought process from sponsors, KPMG. I mean, they've been a fantastic sponsor, have they? Have they not oh, yeah. helping have, to change the game? Absolutely. KPMG, um, you know, the, the, the women's summit that they have has been, um, has been replicated over and over again at so many different LPGA stops uh, to, to show, um, you know, the importance of leadership, female leadership. It, it's, it's gone off in a bunch of different directions in terms of what they want their summit to be about. But um, KPMG specifically is about getting more women into the C-suite. So, you know, but I, I think that um, the, the Augusta National Women's Amateur, to me, was a, was a huge turning point for women's golf. Um, I think people tune in to, to watch the women on Augusta National. They want to see the golf course. 
And I think that, you know, by doing that, stumbling across the product and anyone who saw Jennifer Cupcho and Maria Fossey go at it last year, the way that they did that tremendous display of sportsmanship, but not only that, but the tremendous skill uh, that they displayed, you know, I really hope that that would, you know, open the eyes of a lot of check writers, you know, to say, you know, how come, you know, we're so heavily involved in the, in the men's game and yet we don't spend a dime on the women's game yet, you know, so much of our, our company mission statement centers around, you know, equality and diversity and, you know, and, and yet, you know, we're not actually putting any money in that. And so, um, you know, and, and here you go, Maria Fossey hasn't has becomes the first woman with an AT&T sponsor on her bag, like Jordan Spieth. So that was cool to see, you know, AT&T getting into the women's game. And I, I was, you know, hoping that that was just a first step for an AT&T. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the COVID break hit and it's kind and of all momentum yeah. stop for everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, Something else I noticed about KPMG, um, Stacy was on Matt Leaf, and KPMG stepped up to the plate big time with regards to their sponsorship of Stacy and uh, uh, maintaining their sponsorship agreement with her throughout her maternity leave. Oh yes, that was fantastic. Yeah, I thought that you know so many so many players when they stop playing. You know, the money stops entirely, you know, or not, you know, your, your money stop. The contract usually stipulates that you have to play in so many events in order to get your money. Well, when you go on maternity leave, you, you, you obviously can't meet that minimum. And so um, it was a, it was a tremendous step forward for KPMG to do that. That I think showed a lot of different companies, sponsors, you know, Hey, maybe we need to rethink how we handle, you know, maternity for, for these athletes, because they're not getting any money when they're, (laughs) when they're not competing, um, from, from their actual play. And so, you know, it's, it's a lot of extra pressure and a lot of pressure of, can I afford to have a baby? How, how long do I need to wait before I have enough money in the bank when all the money dries up before I'm able to, to have a baby? Because I don't know what it's going to be like when I come back and how quickly I'll come back and all these questions that, you know, keep women from maybe, maybe pushing it down the road. And, and then, you know, it becomes even harder to get pregnant. So, so I, I love it. I mean, it's just, it, hopefully it's a domino effect um, for a lot of other companies and, and, and KPMG, you know, Stacy's been great about KPMG, especially she's so involved in that, in that relationship um, because that they were her sponsor first. And, um, and, and, you know, venues, venues are so important in terms of where they, where women play, where they compete is so important. And, um, and, and, and I think that, you know, we saw that at Aronimic, um, you know, it's the, the KPMG was a Hazeltine last year. It's going to Baltistraw, you know, it's a, Hey, if the men are going to be there, the women are going to be there too, either right before them or right behind them. And, and I love that. Right, right, right. Well, and speaking of Aronimink, they uh, even stepped up with regards to the tournament fees for the players. They did. They did. KPMG took care of all the entry fees and uh, and also added another meal. They added dinner so that players could could eat at the golf course because, as you know, they can't go to restaurants or anything. And right. um, it's just more convenient, you know, to be able to to be in the bubble and have another meal. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 
my takeaway from it, um, I don't know if it's shared or not, but was that uh, KPG, KPMG, you know, is trying to step up and uh, do the right things and lead by example. And I'm kind of hoping that um, some of the positive steps they've taken will be used as a, a successful model to point to and say, this is the way we should be doing things. And the other sponsors start to step up that way as well. Absolutely. And part of that's PGA of America too. Um, Susie Whaley, um, you know, I remember her telling me last year, you know, if, if the players want to have almond milk in the dining area, you know, we're going to have almond milk. Like that's, you know, that's important. These little details for players of, you know, what, what's important for their diet, you know, is, is an important thing. And she knows from having been, you know, at Ryder Cups and PGA championships, what the men get, what, you know, the extent of the details that are taken care of there. And she was really adamant that, you know, that same level of, of attention to detail is present on the women's side as well, right. as much as you can with a different budget, you yeah. know? So I think she's, um, I think the P, the PGA of America should be applauded. And I think they've, they've pushed, you know, the RNA, they've pushed the USGA and, you know, now the RNA has this great rota of, uh, of tournaments coming up for the women with, with Muirfield and going back to, the old course and Carnoustie and um, and the USGA going to Olympic Club next year and Pebble, so a lot right. to look forward to. Yeah, perfect. Um, now you talked about TV revenue a few minutes ago, and I'd like to come back to that with regards to how that's important to the LPGA. Um, have you any idea or insight that you could share with us as to why the LPGA looked at extending its contract with the? Golf Channel, for example, for a limited period of time when it was coming up for renewal? Yeah, so uh, what's interesting about the LPGA now is that they, uh, the PGA Tour is actually negotiating on the LPGA's behalf. Yes. So, um, you know, it's which I think is a good thing because, you know, you don't want to be like out in the dark here where you don't even know what's going on in the rest of the landscape. I mean, I think it's I think it's important to have a seat at that table and to be kind of, you know, partners with the PGA tour as much as you possibly can, because I mean, shoot, if the men could have, if we could have a, uh, an event with the men, the LPGA and the PGA tour together. I mean, that would be fantastic. The more they work together, I think the better it is overall for the, for the growth of the game. So, so anyways, so to answer your question, I think, um, you know, that that's a big that's a big part of it and i think it's important to have you know a golf home for the lpga and you know that there's been times when the lpga has been on other networks and nobody knows where to find them and <laughs> i'm not talking about you know nbc i'm talking about you know other other um other stations that it got it got confusing for a time and i think even when you look at fox you know with the usga um there wasn't as much hype about the Curtis cup or, or, or the, the women's am or any, either of the ams, you know, because people, people couldn't even find the women's open on Fox, you know, like, it's like, they didn't really talk about it. And then all of a sudden, Hey, over an FS one, you know, is, you know, yeah, yeah. round of the women's open, you know, and whereas on the golf channel, they're talking about it on the morning drive. They're talking about it on golf central, you know, right. people are, people know it's coming up and it's happening. And I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, when we talk about the uh, cooperation between the PGA and the LPGA, one of the things that the uh, PGA has is their sort of in-house network, their PGA radio, or, I mean, I understand, and I see that's going through some 
changes right now as well in the way they're presenting that and rolling that out with golf TV and whatnot. But um, do you think the LPGA will ever get to that point where they have their own in-house um, hmm. network uh, production? I, you know, even if it's just uh, streaming services or something on their Facebook site or on the or uh, a radio type broadcast. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely like to see more. I mean, right now, I feel like the LPGA is so handicapped in terms of if they're not on television in that in that the three hour window, we don't see anything, you know. Right. And, and and it's so frustrating that we can't have some feature groups, we can't have, you know, some kind of a video stream from you know one 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 hole or two holes or so, something, some highlights. Like I feel like it's like in a dark hole until all of a sudden it comes on you know, the network television. So, um, so that's, so that's, that's tough. You know, that's, um, I would, I would love to see that. I, I think we're a ways from it though. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what my uh, gut is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're into the last little segment of our show, uh, Bethann. Where do you see the, uh, game headed for 2021 and beyond. Um, I mean, obviously the Olympics is supposed to be scheduled again next year. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. My own personal opinion is I'm not so sure that that may or may not happen this year, uh, next year, just depending on how maybe things play out with regards to the coronavirus worldwide. Yeah. Um, but you know, Olympics, um, you know, Solheim you've, Cup. yeah, Solheim cup. You've already mentioned the, uh, Two Australian events already uh, canceled in uh, February this year coming up. Mm. What are your thoughts or on the prognosis for 2021 in women's golf? Well, my hope is that once we get past February and we start, we get into March, that it'll it'll be full steam ahead. That's my hope. My hope is that it's so crammed that we're 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 over golf by the end of the year. <laughs> so many tournaments that were like, please give me a break. <laughs> That's my hope. But I mean, I think, you know, with the Olympics, you know, um, you know, you can only hope that 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 it goes on um even without fans, that that the Solheim Cup is going to be just a few weeks separated from the Ryder Cup. Um, one's in Wisconsin, one's in Ohio. So, you know, it's it's an unusual thing having them both on the same side of the same year on the same side of the pond. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that the women can pick up some steam from the men and not get overshadowed. Um, let's hope it becomes a celebration like that rather than, uh, you know, let's all talk about the men and, you know, uh, um, and not pay attention to the women. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will happen. Um, we'll just have right. to see how, how it goes, but in, in, in back to back, the back-to-back weeks at Pinehurst for the Women's yes. Open, 2014 was an extraordinary success. So yeah, that that gives me hope that maybe you know we can piggyback off of these two big events and and have some um, you know have 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 it be bigger than ever because we know that Inverness is a fantastic golf course. It sets up beautifully for fans. I mean, it, it should right. it should be a tremendous show. Right. Right. Yeah, I was going to say Pinehurst wasn't that. Uh... One of the advantages that Michelle we had when she won there was that uh, one of the men who played uh, the week prior or two weeks prior yeah. was able to share her their yardage book with them or their greens yeah, book. Yeah, Ricky Fowler gave her his <laughs> first book. Yep, worked out well. 
That <laughs> <laughs> sure did for her. <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> uh, so I understand you're off to the uh, next uh, LPGA event in a couple of weeks? Yes, it's an inaugural inaugural event um, uh, in Bel Air, which is pretty close to Clearwater, uh, Florida. So about just over an hour from my house. So I'm excited to, to, to see that club. They've completely redone it. Um, and I hear it's fantastic. Um, you know, it'd be nice to kind of have a backyard event, so to speak. Um, field should be good. Jen Young Ko, the number one player in the world, will make her debut for 2020 on the LPGA there. So she's playing in Korea right now, quite a few events. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of form she's in uh, when she gets here because she seems to be playing pretty well over there. So um, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll, if she comes out and knocks out a major, I'll be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had such an incredible year last year, didn't she? Uh, we wouldn't put it past her though, would we, to come out and uh, take the women's open and say, see ya? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds sounds like something she could do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um I haven't been able to look yet, but um so young you. I think she's scheduled to come back in and around the same time or Oh, that... is she? I don't know. I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, or um, maybe it was the other one in uh just before uh just before uh the players head off to Houston. It might have been the December uh, event. Maybe, uh, yeah. I'm hoping six comes back. Lee Six comes back and her title as well. Uh, yes. So It'll be interesting to see if the gang's all back together for the finale. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the CME right afterwards, right? So, Right, yeah. I, I actually think uh, Jen Young might have to play her way into that. There are a couple sponsor exemptions, but I'm not sure she's getting one. So, <laughs> uh, Which is another story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I was going to say, you know. If the uh, Sophia Popoff has to uh, play in 2021, I mean, <laughs> what yeah, are you going to do, right? Par for the course, right? I mean, why <laughs> would you want the number one player in the world at your season finale? I mean, I mean, why? Come on. <laughs> we'll um, any departing thoughts about uh, the U.S. Women's Open? What to look for? Thoughts about uh, the champions in Houston and whatnot? Well, Jackie Burke is 97. I talked to him the other day, did his first Zoom interview, <laughs> at, uh, and he was fantastic. Uh, told some great stories. Uh, so that'll be coming out here pretty soon. Of course, the Masters champion, uh, PGA champion. Yeah, the Ryder Cup has been hosted at, yes. um, at, at Champions as well as the U.S. Open. Uh, so, you know, it's storied club. Most interesting fact, of course, is that both courses will be used. Right. Uh, and the Jackrabbit course will also be used. They're, they're very different tracks. Um, one has big greens, one has small greens, you know, it'll, it'll, so whoever wins this thing will be tested in every way possible. You will have to have a complete game. Right. Um, and I'm curious what the weather is going to be like, you know, it's, it's Houston. So I, I mean, we could be freezing. It could be, it could be fine. I, I really right. don't know. Yeah. I guess uh, Texas is a little bit more, susceptible to some of those arctic breezes coming down the uh the part of the <laughs> continent <laughs> now when we say freezing you, you have to realize you're talking to a floridian so anything <laughs> below 60 is uh is uncomfortable so uh just take that with a grain of salt <laughs> <laughs> well i've seen i've seen in the past they've had snow falling in north texas so you know on some oh, of those geez. freak years and whatnot but 
Well, that would be very 2020, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, no kidding, eh? Um, Jackie Burke Jr. How how you know how was he? Good, oh, lively and sprat as always. Yeah. So in the background, he had his um, his master's jacket or replica, I guess, on a on a mannequin, and uh, and then a picture behind him of uh, of him, you know, getting the jacket put on him. So it was it was a wonderful background that he had. And then after we chatted, um, his wife uh, Robin. Uh, took out her phone and um, and and videoed him in his office. Which, if you haven't seen his office, it's like a museum. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> so he went around and he told a few stories about you know some of the things that were in the office. You know they've had several members of the champions that have have walked on the moon and uh, and and they, there was a club in there that that um, that Shepard hit on the moon. So I mean, just a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. A lot of history at that club too. So another chapter in uh, women's open and golf. Yeah. It's the 75th women's open. So it, it uh, should be a doozy. And, and Michelle, we has officially um, signed up. So whether or not she actually plays is another story, but she has at least applied to play, which right. is a big deal that at least that, that's happened. So Ledbetter says he gives her a 50-50 chance that she actually plays. She told me she's still not sure. You know, it all really mostly comes down to COVID. Um, right. And how comfortable she feels bringing uh, her, her baby girl on the road with her. And um, and then, of course, her wrists as she starts to practice more. You know, what what how are her wrists holding up? The, those are the question marks that remain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be something to follow and keep an eye on. Uh, do you have any idea when the deadline is for her to have to to uh, commit? Is it's not? Is it as short as it would be a normal uh, LPGA event where you just a week before or whatever it is? That's a good question. I don't. I'm not sure what it is this year because everything's been a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So um, I'm not a hundred percent sure when when she would have to uh, definitely commit. Good question, though. Yeah, I'll look when- into that. i should know that (laughs) (laughs) all right uh anything else you'd like to share with us it's been a fantastic uh conversation i can't believe how fast the time flies no i've enjoyed it thoroughly thank you for having me i i'm i'm excited that we have so many blockbuster events to end out the year so there's still a lot to look forward to yeah isn't that terrific eh um well thank you so much beth then really appreciate it and um just from somebody who's been following along from a distance with all the uh, COVID protocols and whatnot, just really appreciate uh, all of your salient questions and whatnot in the media pressers after the rounds and whatnot. <laughs> it's uh, always uh, always enlightening and uh, elicits great uh, content. So thank you thank very you. much. Thank <laughs> you. Sometimes they fall flat, but I give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So thank you very much for joining us, Bethann. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. And that wraps up our show for today. Um, I'd like to thank you again to our listeners for listening in and uh, following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all of our social media accounts. Remember, you can also get us on our website. And this podcast is available through uh, nearly every one of the major podcast directories, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, iHeart, and uh, any of the others. So without any further ado, thank you very much for joining us and we look forward to bringing you another show in two weeks time. Thank you and have a good day. 
Our podcast show, We're Talking Golf, is produced by the world of golf. Today's show was recorded on October 26, 2020. If you have any questions about our show, or you would like to submit suggestions or comments, please send them to us by email to info at worldofgolf.org. That's info at worldofgolf.org. Or, if you prefer by traditional mail, please address your envelope to The World of Golf, at 3643 City Edge Place, Vancouver, British Columbia. Postal code V5H4N4 Canada. This show is the copyright of The World of Golf and may not be reproduced or rebroadcast in whole or in part without the express written consent of The World of Golf. Thank you for listening.